0: Thank you for tuning into the Hacking the Patriarchy podcast. I'm your fervent feminist host, Raven O'Neill, and I get the honors of sitting down with women experts from all walks of life to discuss the ideas, opportunities, and the strategies that women can take advantage of to get ahead in our patriarchal society. So if one of your love languages is learning how to hack patriarchal systems and structures, I invite you to join us and help move the needle. Hi, listeners. Today, I'm sitting down with Laura Leach, Laura is a certified career coach and owner of Meredith Consulting. With over 20 years of experience in technology recruitment, Laura has a unique perspective on coaching female tech leaders to transition to a career with purpose and negotiate the salary they deserve. Laura is known for helping people build self-confidence and create clear, actionable job search strategies that lead to lucrative salaries. She resides in the Bay Area and San Diego with her husband and dogs. When she's not hiking or trying new restaurants, she enjoys pretending she knows how to surf. Laura is also a member of the board of directors for Phase 2 Careers, a nonprofit organization that supports professionals over 40 and advocates for ageism in the workplace, pay equity, and job search strategies. Let's come together and offer Laura a very warm welcome. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm super excited to welcome our guest today, Laura Leach, and we are going to dive into the subject of nailing the entire interview process. Welcome, Laura. Good morning, and thank you for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation so we can dive right on in. Today, we're talking about nailing the entire hiring process, and of course, the show is about how we do life as women but use some hats to invoke that male energy and kind of get things done differently. So I wanted to start out with your opinion, your professional opinion, and your experience in the industry. Is there a difference in the interview process for men and women? And do men and women tend to interview differently?
1: Mm, It's a great question. Yes. And (laughs) I do think men and women interview differently. And depending on the industry, men can be interviewed differently. It happens more in tech than in other industries, I believe. I also believe women come from a a place of imposter syndrome more than men and will tend to not want to speak up, whether that be their own insecurities or their culture or there we've just been, trained and raised to raise our hand when we have an answer and put it down when we don't. And we tend to back away and shy away or not speak our immediate thoughts or feelings that we might have because we have been wired in this call and response. And in an interview setting, it feels very much like an interrogation. I... I do think the difference for both men and women is learning how to make it into a conversation and not so transactional. And I believe that's where a lot of coaching can help on both sides. But intuitively, women will tend to not uh, continue a conversation unless there is a question asked of them.
0: Yeah, I feel that. I Like it made me think of, and I'm going to rewind back since we're doing the entire interview process. And I think that job seeking is part of that process. I know that there's that statistic of, I don't, I'm going to butcher it, but that men will fill two of the buckets, check off two points and they'll apply, but women will not meet one. And they're like, Oh, it's not for me. So in your coaching experience, I don't know, do you handle that part of the process? Yes, very much so. I lean heavily
1: into interview preparation and mock interviewing. I do believe in one of my Laura isms, but it is the words that come out of your mouth that get you the job. And it's important to have obviously the experience and knowledge and, and accomplishments and achievements in that you've had throughout your career to put you in that position. But how you describe yourself, how you describe your work, your passion your understanding of the problems that, that somebody is hiring you to solve, and even the, the larger picture of where the company is going and what that company needs from you. I tend to lean heavily into it in both men and women, particularly women, in the process, in the expectations, and also how to frame up our experiences so that they land with an impact.
0: Gotcha. So in your experience, do you work mostly with men or with women? That's a great question.
1: (laughs) Throughout my career, I've, I have as a technical recruiter for most of my career, I dealt with both men and women, more men um, because of the the industry at the time. Then my coaching uh, evolved into mature women in technology And now I deal with a different demographic where I get a chance to mature women in technology and I also deal with graduates, so I get both. Um, And and that's an interesting stage in life, which uh, dealing with international students, I've seen a bigger shift between men and women, more non-English speakers.
0: And I probably want to circle back and dive into that. But my next question was based on that whole, you have worked with men and now you work with this other demographic. Do you think that the coaching has to be very different for each of them? I do.
1: I do. I really do. Because as much as women feel confident and secure I do believe somewhere deep in our wiring that we that hasn't quite evolved, there's a pause. There's a pause of whether we call it imposter syndrome or insecurity, or whether we were wired differently in our homes or cultures. I do still believe there is a, a sliver of space between men and women and how we're able to articulate our value and the impact that we can provide and even have the right words to articulate that. They, they tend to not surface as quickly as it might be for a man.
0: How would you advise a woman when you, like when you're working with them in that's the that is the situation? How do you coach them through that?
1: Yeah. It's a great question. I think it's really important to think about the questions that might be asked of us around decision-making, strategic thinking, problem-solving, leadership, communication, et cetera. But I also think it's really important that we have a well-thought-out answer, meaning we have a structure to our answer. Typically, people will follow a, a format. But I think writing it pen to paper... Will also help create a new neural pathway, and we'll remember it more. For women, I lean heavily into hearing ourselves as well. So I'll even take it a step further, and let's record how you sound. Let's record how you look. Right. So how are we looking? How do we? How are we acting? And how are we speaking? Right. The three components to executive presence, and just hearing yourself as as we say cringy, right? As it might be, (laughs) it also is a quick course correction, right? It's a really quick way to identify how you sound and how what you're saying lands. I think I lean heavily with my female clients. Uh, We lean heavily into this practice, into this part of interview prep, because oftentimes we don't know what's in our subconscious until we bring it into our conscious and hearing it seeing it repeating it will help us better women better articulate our value so that an employer or an audience might understand not only the impact that we can make but also the potential that we have
0: there has to be like things that women do in this process really well that men don't and men do really well that women don't do you have any of those like as great examples mm, yeah i think
1: and maybe this is just a, a, a big bias. I think women listen more. I think we're more intuitive to feelings and we may lean heavily more into those feelings. We may spend more time listening until the end of the question and pause because we want to make sure that we are understanding the question And we are answering it with confidence where I see men immediately just wanting to give an answer because they have already heard the sentence. They've heard the question all the way through and will jump on it as soon as they hear a keyword or phrase that they know, okay, this is the answer for that particular type question. And maybe that is a big, huge blanket statement. But I do tend to think Women will pause and give themselves a moment to figure out which story they're gonna tell.
0: I got that and I like it. And my next question is: do you think from the interviewing side, is that beneficial or detrimental or
1: non-applicable? I think it's I think it's really beneficial. I think showing that you are a good listener in any situation is really important, but I also think it's just as important to be quick on your feet and to think quick on your feet. Giving somebody the courtesy and respect to complete what they're trying to say without interrupting, and I think that happens with men and women, is just a sign of, again, emotional intelligence that you're going to hear this person out in their entirety and maybe even take that pause or even ask a clarifying question. I think women might not ask as many clarifying questions as men. They may pause and try to think about what they're going to say and quickly solve what they're going to say without using a clarifying question for that pause, where I feel like men might ask those clarifying questions more than women.
0: When I think about it, usually I'm so nervous that I probably don't ask the clarifying question and like, It's probably not good. Clarifying questions. Yeah. So going back to uh, men and women and nailing the interview process and coaching, obviously we want to advise women that are looking for a new career transition, first time career, anything like that, that you hire a coach. What would you suggest women look for in a coach?
1: It's a great question. I I truly believe that there has to be compatibility. There has to be trust and mutual respect. Most of, we'll say, in in the coaching world and your prospects, your leads, when you're talking to somebody and explaining what you do and the problems you solve and hearing what they're looking for, that compatibility and trust factor has to be established right away. I think both men and women want results and want empirical evidence tell me if I coach with you, Laura, am I going to get the job? Right. And can you guarantee that I'm going to get a job? I can't guarantee really anything, but okay. (laughs) Because if I can't sit on the interview with you and I don't have your experiences, I do think that, um, women tend to not want to invest in themselves more than men. It's an investment. Right. Coaching is an investment, whatever kind of coaching. Career coaching is an investment in getting you in a place where you can make a difference. Right. We hire coaches. We hire coaches for everything. And think about you have a, a piano coach, you have a, a baseball batting coach, you have uh, coaches, a singing coach, you have coaches that we hire for our children to make them. Better at what they're doing in that moment, yet we'll pause and think, wow, I'm not, we don't see it as an investment in ourselves. So I feel like women tend to back away from the investment of coaching, where I feel like both men and women also need it in those moments where there might just be a bit of a course correction in their interview, but there also is a piece of career coaching that I have a lot of, especially women, Laura, I've been at this job for 20 years. I don't wanna do it anymore. I don't know what I wanna do, but I know I don't wanna do this anymore. And that clarity, I feel women are looking more for that clarity than men. And that may have to do with, they might've not had an opportunity to take as many zigzags in their career because for many reasons oftentimes it's that they had to stick to a path to to rise the ladder or they had to step out and then step back in to to take care of family. But I do see, I don't want to say midlife crisis because I think that's too big, (laughs) but I do see a lot of women in their forties and fifties will say, Laura, I just don't want to do this anymore. And my answer is always just because you're good at it doesn't mean you have to do it for the rest of your life. So let's figure this
0: out. I, I have two things I want to lean into here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go first with you, you. Brought up the women coming to you in their 40s and 50s, and I actually just read an article last week about all the things that are stacked against women looking for careers at that age. What are your thoughts on that? What might those challenges be, and how might you support those challenges? Yeah,
1: that's a great question as well. I think the article that you read is right. There mm-hmm. are a lot of obstacles in the way and hurdles. I think at, at, at that particular age, ageism is prevalent on both ends of the spectrum uh, for men and women, but I think more for women in in all industries. So I do think, believe like we can't hide from it. And so how do we go and be able to, again, articulate our value. And I think that's where coaches come in and coaches like myself will come in and what is it you want to do? And let's figure it out so that we can figure out what those transferable skills are. And most importantly, how are we going to tell our story so that an employer sees the impact and the value that it can bring to them? And I say this probably once, twice, three times a day, and I, I give a disclaimer with all the love in my heart no one cares about your experience unless they can see the impact that it's going to make in their organization so how do we articulate those experiences how do we articulate 20 30 years of experience so that a, a, an employer will see whatever age I'm at I'm valuable and I can bring I can help solve your problems I can bring my wisdom and experience to this organization or to this particular moment in time and the path that the path to get there is being able to break down those experiences and figure out how we want to tell those stories and also identifying opportunities that need us want us and would value who we are and how much experience we can bring to the table
0: i want to say thank you for that I didn't want to interrupt you in the middle because we just talked about listening and I wanted to listen to you all the way through, but I want to tell our audience that's tuning in to rewind that part and listen to it again because that was such sage advice. So important in, in all of your career searching. Okay, now I'm going to go backwards again. So here we're talking about nailing the entire hiring process. So we're going to step away from the differences between men and women and all of that and really talk about the entire hiring process and what that looks like if you could break that down. From beginning to end, the entire hiring process? Yeah, but not like in detail, but just one step here, one like very
1: (laughs) high level. I have the five steps, right? So getting job clarity, I think is really important. And I... Like to say, your resume and your LinkedIn profile, and even a bit of your talk track or your pitch or elevator pitch or 30-second me, whatever you want to call it. It's really important that we have that figured out. It doesn't make sense to create all these marketing materials unless the voice of the customer. So where do you want to do? How do you want to get there? And so that could take time, especially if we have career transition or or we're just at a point where, again, we don't want to do this anymore. So figuring out that get that clarity so that we can lead with that torch in our hand. Hey, this is where I'm going to go. This is where I'm going to land. Or this is where at least I'm going to go try to land. And what do I need to do to get there? So that's step number one. And then step number two is putting all of that into place. So once you have that, oh, I've got my resume. It looks amazing. I'm ready to go. What do we do with that? And we really need to create a strategy and what i think is really called an abundant networking strategy because there's got to be a strategy what i call submitting and praying i've got a lot of orisms submit and pray doesn't work right applying to the, the applicant tracking system the ats system it doesn't work you have a very low of less than a 10 percent return on your efforts there so if we know four out of six people get their job by referral we should spend our time in that direction. And so coming up with a really solid networking plan or a strategy so that you can get in front of hiring managers or people that can help refer you is really important. So that's a step number two. And then number three, you're going to start talking to people. We we really need to dive into what are you going to say? How are you going to tell your story? How are you going to tell your story so that People see that value. People understand who you are and what you can bring to the table. And then we also need to think about what are we worth? And this is a whole nother podcast episode of salary (laughs) negotiation, because I could talk about that for a long time. But understanding what the market bears, what you are worth, and, and what are our compromises or constraints that we might have to deal with as we move into a new position or a new industry and what's really important to us at our life and our moment in time. And then lastly, which I talk about a lot and briefly mentioned is our executive presence. And I think it's really important to understand how you are being received in each one of those kind of steps along the way, because It's really important that you believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, no one is going to believe in you. And if you're in a selling, I'm selling myself, I'm in an interview, I'm putting myself out there, I'm networking, I'm applying to jobs, I'm talking to people, I'm talking about who I am and my experiences. If people don't believe in what you're selling, no one is going to buy from you. And that is so important in the entire job search strategy process and having that confidence because it does start with you.
0: So what I gathered from that entire section too and previous points that you've made is this is really about marketing because you said, what was it? Something in Prey, um, so many, yeah. <laughs> because- Something in pray, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that you have your resume, you submit it and you're up against AI bots and all the things that shuffle it and then, um, Like that whole process, if that's just your if that's just your process, is just to apply and hope like you're not gonna get anywhere. So truth be told, like all the marketing, like that was super important, marketing yourself. You touched on all those points of networking, getting out there, communicating. Sabine Gideon was on the show and she had even talked about cold outreach on LinkedIn and places like that and how how to do that. So super important. Now we're going to get to the really fun stuff. i will you a little bit on the spot. And so you can take your time and think through it. But so we're talking about hacking. And really, you just talked about those steps. So what are some of the hacks women can take to... If they're not going to hire a coach, which we're going to highly recommend that they all do. But if they don't, what are some hacks in that process to just make the process easier for them? Sure. It's
1: a great question as well. Network. Of course, (laughs) that will always be my number one. Instead of being at the top of somebody's LinkedIn, be at the top of their inbox. Not everyone is on LinkedIn, right? And if you're interviewing, you if you're a hiring manager, you're busy. You're too busy to be on LinkedIn. You have people helping you find people on LinkedIn. So maybe not play in that sandbox. That could be a good hack. And I would say record yourself quickest way, the quickest way that you will course correct and you will nail every interview if you record yourself ahead of time.
0: That's, a, that's such a hard one. Even myself, like I don't mind hearing what I had to say. It's the sound of my voice. Oh, <laughs> I might not listen to this podcast. <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> you are trying to... So many insights, I love it. Okay, we're coming to a close. We got the hacks out of the way. I did want to touch on this, and we had previously talked about this when we were getting to know each other before the interview. And I can't recall if you had a super clear answer or if it was more like, I've never experienced that because I know we did touch on a couple of those things. But really, when women are going through the interview process and they get stuck, how might they flip a script? Even if that's a script in the interview, I know we talked about like maybe a biased question that gets thrown their way that they realize is biased, like being able to answer it in a way that almost removes the initial bias, even in the process up against, let's say, because we're not going to do the whole pray, apply and pray at a networking, a networking situation or cold email. How might we flip the narrative to make it really in our benefit? Yeah.
1: I think it just leading with transparency and honesty is really important as a base, as a start. And if we start, if we're starting to feel that biasy especially in an interview in, or in conversations let's not point out let's not point it out <laughs> let's just not that I want to go around it but i do think that it's important to not um, feed the energy in some of those biases that we hear or feel right a lot of the biases we do see we do here, but oftentimes we take it personally. I think it's really important that we don't lean into those biases and that we really articulate our value. So what's really important for me that I uh, coach around pretty heavily is what are those stories and then how can we navigate around not necessarily through those biases because they're there. But if we don't give them energy, it's really easy to talk about ourselves and not fall into that that trap of I'm a victim in this men versus women. It's there. It's definitely there. It's important to see it, but it doesn't mean that we need to feel that fire either. That
0: whole section brought up brought up another thought for me, even though I was going to try and wrap it up, we're going to dive into just extended just a little longer into something else, which was that I'm sure in this process you get um a fair amount of clients that as they're going through the process they might walk away from an interview and be like that was ick that was not good and not good on like I did great, but that interview was ick and it just gave me the wrong vibe or however we want to say that and then there's that but maybe I need the job how do you if you even do, because sometimes those are things we don't want to touch. But how would you advise? Because I imagine that if you had an ick interview, there's a good chance that if you take the job, it might not have been the right fit. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's a big red flag, right? It's the red
1: <laughs> flag that you're like, "Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. i w- I fell in love with this company. I loved everything about them. I worked hard to get this interview. And now I'm walking away feeling like this is might not be the best environment for me based on the interviewer. There's a lot to unpack there, but <laughs> I'm a person that you go with your gut feeling, right? If you're going to be, Um, treated poorly in an interview, if you're going to be railroaded in an interview, if you're going to be disrespected or not seen or heard or valued in an interview, personally, walk away. That's a huge red flag that you're walking away from because you're not going to have that opportunity. You might not have that opportunity elsewhere. If you got that interview because you have allies within the organization, I think it's okay to talk about it. I think it's okay to go back to those allies and say, that interview felt funky. And that interview, even the recruiter who helped set it up, um, it could be an opportunity. And I know I've been on the recruiter seat of this and said, oh yeah, that person is a horrible interviewer. I know we get it all the time. (laughs) You wouldn't believe it, but they are just terrible at interviewing. And this goes back to a bigger Issue within organizations um, is not all hiring managers have ever had interview training. As a matter of fact, most of them probably haven't. So they're interviewing the way that they have, they're emulating what they know. It doesn't necessarily reflect who they are. It's just this the style, this interrogation style that they may know. But if as a woman, if your gut is, I felt disrespected, I didn't feel heard, I didn't feel valued, that person doesn't see me, that's a huge red flag right away. And there may be a moment where, wow, I need this job. I need the money. I can't be out of work anymore. But what are the pros and cons of that situation? And what, how are we contributing to a cycle that we have the ability to not contribute to in that moment in time. And I think it's really important and to find a a, a place where you're welcome and seen and where you belong and you're heard and valued. And if we know that in the first hour of spending it, spending a moment with somebody in the organization that could possibly be in charge of your future, that's a, to me, a moment to pause and ask yourself, am I making good decisions today? By making good decisions today, because you might not have an opportunity to course correct later.
0: That's such good advice. I don't want to wrap this up on a oh that could suck. So let's let's wrap it up with one last question. When they nail the entire hiring process and they've got the job offer, they've signed, sealed, delivered. How much you recommend they celebrate?
1: A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent. I think it's really important to celebrate even the small wins. Even if it's, oh, I just got past the first round or I got past the second round. I think you should celebrate every single one of those wins. The job search process is tough. I, I It is tough and it could be soul-sucking and it could be demoralizing. But once we get through it and we get this job that we're looking for, or the ideal job that we're looking for, we should celebrate a hundred percent. We should let everyone know, go on LinkedIn, change your LinkedIn, make it a life event. Let everyone congratulate you on this new job. People will also pop up out of the woodwork and it might be a good opportunity to network with them. Maybe you're going to, maybe you're going to see that there are people you want to bring aboard and bring aboard this amazing celebration that you've had, because you might want to have relationship with relationships with them later on in your career. I think it's huge. I think it's really important. Do the dance, celebrate, have the glass of champagne, whatever it is you do.
0: And even those little tiny wins along the way. I love it. Cheers to that. So again, we've said it multiple times in this interview, but if you are looking for a career move, no matter what stage you're at, we're going to hope you're going to look out and hire a coach so that you nail that entire interview process. If someone is looking to hire a coach, how might they find you? Yes, great question. You can go to my website at
1: meredithconsultingllc.com you can reach out to me at laura at meredithconsulting.com. And you can always find me on LinkedIn. It's Laura D. Leach is my handle on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. And I will put all of that in the show notes. Laura, thank you so much for joining us for the insights, all of the things. Mm, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For all the juicy deets on this episode, be sure to check out our show notes or give us a holler on Instagram at Hacking the Patriarchy Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support this podcast, don't be shy. Please share it with your friends. Sharing is caring after all. Lastly, if you'd like to lend your personal support, please take a moment to tell the world about it with a review on your favorite streaming platform. We'd be forever grateful. Tune in again soon to enjoy a brand new episode of the Hacking the Patriarchy podcast. And until next time, keep on hacking, my friends. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that this isn't my only feminist endeavor? That's right. There's more. I run a media startup dedicated to providing the most current and pertinent news about women, for women, and by women. Our mission centers on delivering a platform where the latest updates regarding women-led initiatives are extensively covered, highlighting women's actions, accomplishments, perspectives, and other elements that profoundly influence women's lives and contribute to meaningful progress. I invite you to head over to femled.news to learn more.